amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, we are back with another episode of Inside the Burger Shop, a podcast, a discussion at the intersection of sports, entertainment, culture, marketing, technology, and more. I'm Ryan Berger, taking you through an action-packed show tonight. Uh, what else could it be for a late July, actually a mid to late July, when everything is calmed down, July, June 19th, as we get forward into the July 4th. Uh, holiday, and we get closer to what really is the start of the summer. Felt like summer in New York today. Major storm, hot, humid, and that could only mean one thing, and that's NBA draft preparation, rumors, and some unbelievable breaking news left and right. It's almost like if you don't hit the refresh on the Twitter channel and see what Woj is coming up with, you're out of it. You know, before you get in the shower, you see what Woj has got. After you get out of the shower, you see Woj has got what he's got. Breaking news left and right. Even Mark Stein's put, jumping in here with some some sources here and there. It's been a wild day, and it's only going to get more wild. And we'll dig deep into some of those things tonight as an action-packed inside the burger shop. Thanks to our partners, of course, to the great Hyper. Hyper is the world's largest search engine and and database for influencers and celebrities in the world with over 11 million global influencers. You could check out more on Hyper at Hyperbrands, H-Y-P-R, brands.com. Check out all the data they have on all the influencers. We'll speak a lot about that data tonight as we speak to B.J. Bass about some of the different players that are in the draft and what's going on with their social amplification opportunities. 
Thanks to the crowdsline.com. The crowdsline is the ultimate place to put in your prediction of what's going to happen in games tonight. Head on over to the crowdsline.com, make your prediction, win prizes, gift certificates, and more. The crowdsline.com. And of course, to our lovely sponsor, 15 Ann Street, Pita Express, the best Mediterranean food in New York City. Head on down to my man Billy Kotler on the one and twos, serving up the hummus, serving up all the different Greek salad, the chicken. It's the best. Head on down. Let them know you're a listener of the show. Get yourself a free hummus, appetizer, and whatnot. 15 Ann Street, Pita Express, the best Mediterranean food in New York City. Last show, we had a really fun show. We had Jason Birnbaum. Jason is the director of teaching at Manhattan Woods. Uh, In fact, I'm going to go have him look at my swing this week. Hopefully, he'll be able to do some things that he was able to do with his guy, who just missed the cut this weekend at the U.S. Open, taking Phil Mickelson's place. A very sort of ho-hum U.S. Open. Didn't really have a lot of magic over the past couple days, First day really knocked so many of the big names out, left with a lot of guys that not a lot of people knew. The two guys that people knew, one of them won it in Brooks, Kopka, and, of course, Ricky Fowler, who really was just didn't do much after his big-time first day. So it was a little bit of a blasé tournament uh, that went into Father's Day, of course, um, and got a chance to see all of that throughout the Father's Day which I'm sure everybody enjoyed themselves with the barbecue, uh, watching some of the games at the beach, the pool, the Little League Championship, whatever you may have had. So, of course, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there that have listened or are listening. And, of course, a happy Father's Day to my dad, who uh, listens to every podcast and is as big of a fan as uh, as there is. And I guess that's all you could ask for from your dad. So, a uh, fun Father's Day yesterday. My dad is actually playing golf in Nova Scotia as we speak. So uh, not a bad way to spend Father's Day up in Nova Scotia playing a little golf with with his buddies. So happy Father's Day, Dad, and uh, hope you're keeping it in the fairway uh, the way you usually do. Without further ado, I'd love to bring on our first guest tonight, um, B.J. Bass. B.J. is an NBA agent. B.J. is the managing partner over at RBA Sports. And B.J., who's over on Twitter at B.J. Bass 2, the number 2, is a great follow, one of the great follows. And we're going to talk to him tonight about what's going on in the NBA, specifically around the draft, specifically around him getting us educated about a lot of the players in the league. We'll talk about the teams. We'll talk about a number of players. And we'll talk to, to B.J. about what he does uh, for a living. So, BJ, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. As you can tell, it's a packed show. It's the grill is on fire tonight. How's everything? Good, right. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely excited to have you. And I guess before we get into the draft, you're a basketball lifer like me, so I sort of want to throw this out. You know, obviously we're in a similar age bracket, uh, and yet. The sport feels like it's transitioned immensely from the way it was growing up. The big man is almost evaporated from the game. The three-pointer is almost like a layup at this point. You have these super teams. In your estimation as an NBA agent working with so many guys, where is the sport today in your eyes? Where is the basketball, the NBA in your eyes? 
Well, I mean, the business is tremendous. I, I mean, the uh, you know, with the expansion of the D League and them getting soon to 30 for 30, I think, you know, as that becomes more integrated with the league and starts to get, um, you know, some more TV going and you have a, a, a tighter connection of the player development and coaching staffs, I think that's a big piece of, you know, something that's um, – been really good and it's continuing to build um but i think it's just you know incredible going back before you know adam silver took over um you know david stern when we were kids david stern who probably doesn't get enough credit for being maybe one of the most underrated ceos in terms of you know the global 500 i mean what he did in his understanding of marketing and taking the players and understanding how to market the individual players and building this thing into a global brand, um, it's really just incredible. And then, you know, when you look at this finals, I mean, I know a lot of people thought that, um, you know, it could have been better, it could have been more suspenseful, but the level of play in this finals was just so incredible. Um, The shot making and, and the specialization and how this thing has gotten down to a science um, in terms of, you know, how they study analytics and, you know, mismatches and matchups and, and, and you know, all these different things that go into it. It's, it's really, um, I mean, I love it. I know you're a, you're a huge hoops guy too. Um, I think the NBA is in an incredible place. I think it's only going to get better. You know, it's interesting, BJ. It was sort of I got a big smile, the fact that right after the finals, which, you know, was immense uh, – possessions, incredible shot making, all world talent. You know, it took me back two nights later to the the, the 30 for 30 Celtics Lakers and the, the several part series and seeing how different the sport was. Dumping the ball to McHale and watching him get 50. Bird. I mean, all these guys at that time, Celts with five and six, you know, Hall of Famers, Magic and the Lakers running up and down, you know, pushing the pace. It almost looks like it was in slow motion. Like those guys were pushing the pace, and he was throwing an alley oop to Michael Cooper once or twice a game. Now you watch the team like Golden State, and they might throw two alley oops in 30 seconds. The game has changed so much. It's almost like some teams have changed, and some teams are sort of staying in that same old-school strategy of, I need to draft a big man, I need to surround them with the right pieces. It almost feels like they're playing chess while other teams are playing checkers. No, I agree with you. They're definitely, you know, listen, the, 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 length, the length on the floor and the ability to have that length you know, step out and shoot it, but also with the skill set um, is really what's kind of flipped this thing. And, you know, it's funny. It started uh, – we, we were talking – I forget who I was talking to the other day. We were talking about um, Beeline at West Virginia. And, I mean, I'm sure it started before then, but this was one of the more sort of prominent uh, examples of, of flipping the court where you had Pitsnoggle, that was like the Mike Gansey West yeah, Virginia team. Yeah, absolutely. And they made a run money from three. Right. And they made a run to the Sweet Sixteen and he was the first guy to really um have success with that at the college level anyway, where he would take his bigs away from the hoop and then bring the defense out away and spread the floor and stretch the floor. But you're right. I mean it's it's hard to compare 
the athlete today and how much work they put in also year-round, um, the wingspan, um, like I said, the specialization. Uh, it's really hard to make that argument either way. You know, I saw something today with how Shaq and Kobe do against this Golden State team. I mean, Shaq and Kobe I still kind of consider, even though it's been a while, it's still this generation. But if you try to put this Golden State team up against, you know, the Bulls or the, the Celtics you're mentioning, you know, it's tough. I mean, I don't know athletically if those guys can hang with these guys, honestly. Um, maybe the maybe they'd get beat up. But, you know, in terms of speed and athleticism, I mean, it's a whole different world today. Oh, no, it's crazy. It's a whole different world. I mean, those games watching, you know, Steve Kerr being able to guard John Stockton to a degree, and then you look at you know, how fast some of these teams, Golden State, Cleveland. And now I want to talk about Cleveland for a second, then I want to move on to the draft. Maybe before we get into Cleveland, tell us a little bit about what you specifically do. You're, you're an agent. You're obviously involved in a lot of up and, with the up-and-coming players, involved with the D-League and a lot of that, which you mentioned earlier. Give us a sense, Jay, exactly what you do, um, obviously with having such a great vantage point into the league and a lot of the players on the rise. Well, thanks for saying that. We, um, we built the agency. We've been growing it organically. We have the things that really set us apart. Um, we've, we put a lot of chips into the D-League. We knew or we thought years ago that the D-League, we could see this coming, and we, we really felt like that was a place where we could – um, you know, put some of our talent to develop and, you know, get themselves in a situation where they could either, A, make the league, or, B, increase their value for overseas markets. And um, I think you're seeing that a lot more and more. I mean, the number of call-ups, the number of assignments, the number of guys that are getting gigs over in Europe that have had success in the D-League. So that's been part of our blueprint since we started to kind of grow organically. And um, the other piece that's enabled us to, to have a repeatable uh, and, and scalable model is the uh, Basketball City, our affiliation with, with Basketball City down in New York by South Street Seaport. So, so to have, um, and that's really become an incredible spot. The NBA is having their award show at, at Pier 36 next week. So it's really become a convergence point for sports and entertainment. And what it's done for us is it's given us the ability to find talent early and develop it and, and train guys at Basketball City and then also leverage the D-League to, um, you know, to get some kids that are talented, frankly, but are below the radar. And, and that's kind of the niche that we've carved out. A um, couple of interesting kids this year again, and, and we'll probably have a, you know, a group of maybe you know, half dozen, dozen kids in the D-League again this year. Um, you know, a couple kids are pretty close, and they'll be in summer league, and definitely have a chance in the fall. Um, and I, I kind of look at it as a as a roulette table. You put a bunch of chips on the table, and and uh, you're gonna hit one or two. Hmm. Very interesting. We're talking to NBA agent and the managing director of RBA Sports, BJ Bass. You could follow BJ on Twitter at BJ Bass Two, the number. Number two, BJ, I talked a little bit about Cleveland before. Big news, obviously. Uh, the GM uh, says goodbye to the organization. Uh, he was there for a couple years, championship in the and as well as in the finals. Uh, brought LeBron in, uh, built this team around him, obviously with Irving. Um, you know, lost in Golden State this year to five ga- in, in five games. 
what do you think is sort of going on with Cleveland, A, and B, I'd like to sort of get your temperature and take your your, your temperature on, on LeBron. Um, you know, obviously, you're hearing a tremendous amount of rumors about love. You're hearing Paul George. You're hearing a lot of stuff. You're hearing LeBron didn't want Griffin fired and Gilbert didn't. LeBron, one year left on a contract, already has left Cleveland already. You know, give us a sense of what you're hearing about what's going on in Cleveland, and A, and B, Talk a little bit about LeBron, both from the standpoint of what you see on the court and his legacy in the sense of you know, how good do you think he is when you look at the all-time great conversation. Good stuff. First of all, Griff is, is great. He's really great. There's a lot of really good guys in the league. Um, there's some guys that, frankly, you know, are tough to deal with, and and it's funny how karma works. You know, a lot of times those guys don't make it. Griff is one of the good guys. He, he's, he's a guy that always, you know, when I was starting out, he would always take my call. Um, I mean, I don't call these guys unless I think I really have something, but you have to establish some credibility in order to continue yep. the relationship. And Gr- Griff is a guy I've always gotten along with and he, you know, he'll land on his feet. I mean, the timing sucks. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but I'm sure if he had a chance now to do it over, maybe he would love to jump to Orlando or, or Milwaukee or one of these other places that he might have had a, a chance for. Um, so I, I wish him the best, and I'm, I'm sure he'll land on his feet. He's well-respected in the league. Um, you know, it sounds like uh, they want to bring in Chauncey, and that's kind of already a done deal. Um, reading the tea leaves, that, you know, I, I doubt they would make it. But, PJ, that's the, one of the things I don't understand. It's like Phillips – Goes you know smart player big Mr Big Shot goes on ESPN and he's a better candidate for that job than let's say someone like Sam Hinkie who right now is out of a job but has built what and our, we're going to talk to our next guest about that in a little while but look what this guy has built in Philly he's not more qualified than Billups to come in who's never done the job before for one year to figure out how he's going to give LeBron everything he wants and keep LeBron. I mean, that pressure along with that inexperience, what is that? I think it probably, um, I'm speculating, uh, but I imagine that, you know, Rich Paul and these guys have, have their hand in this somehow. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, but you can be sure that, that, you know, he has some kind of control over this situation and it may be about trying to keep LeBron there for the long term. Um, you know, kind of segueing to LeBron, I don't know what he's going to do. I'm reading the same stuff you are. Um, his wife wants to go to L.A. I mean, look, he went to Cleveland. He won a championship. So he doesn't owe them anything anymore. And if he, if he wants to settle down with his kids and his family on the West Coast as he, you know, continues his life and he wants to go make a run with the Clippers or something like that, I mean, I, that's fine. I mean, It'd be exciting to watch. Um, you'd hope that he would want to stay in Cleveland and try to get it done again, but I don't blame him if, if, you know, just from a living standpoint or he wants another challenge and he thinks he can go maybe win with DeAndre or Chris Paul. I, I don't know. Um, as far as his legacy, he's the best player I've ever seen, and it's not even close. Um, the only caveat there is, you know, and Van Gundy said it in game three, um, about the five-minute mark, he said, hey, LeBron's got to close this game in the paint or at the free-throw line. And as good as he was in the first half of game three, 
he had to close that one out, and he didn't. And if he does that, all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, we could still be – we could have a game seven right now. I don't know what day we'd be on. But, no, we definitely you know, do, absolutely. How, right, and that's how close the series was. But the fact that he didn't get it done, and looking back to even the first year where he – you know, before Kyrie got hurt in overtime, he, he took a fall-away three with a chance to win in regulation. There's something there that he doesn't want to be at the line to close out these games, and that is the one single thing that I think separates him and Jordan, and it's a huge thing because that's, you know, you're playing in the NBA, all these games are coming down to the end, and you have to be able to make a play. And this guy physically can get to the line whenever he wants. So, so, so for me, that's the biggest takeaway that, hey, when you're talking about legacy and, and history, that's a knock. But as far as just his overall talent and his skill with his size and strength, his ability, his, his passing ability, his rebounding ability, his, you know, his shot making has just elevated where this guy's shooting 60% from the field. You can't compare the numbers to Jordan. I mean, Jordan had finals where he won them all, but he's, you know, 8 for 22, 8 for 24. You know, LeBron's shooting 60% every night. So just in terms of stacking up the numbers, it's a different universe. But in terms of bottom line winning, you know, Jordan had him there. He had the, he had the mindset. He had the killer, you know, clutch gene, whatever you want to call it. And that's the big separation that I see. That's about as good as anyone I've ever heard say it because that is as transparent and as you know almost as honest. And uh, you know when you when you look at the comparison, you're right. That's the biggest knock on James forever has been the closing. And you looked at that game when Van Gundy said that, and you looked at his finals against the Spurs that year in his first time. And if there's ever a knock on the guy, it's certainly the lack of hunger in the biggest of spots, even the, the play where he was in the lane in the basically four feet away and kicks it out to what I thought was a somewhat covered corver in the corner for a fadeaway three. He's always interested in making what he considers the right play and will go to his grave understanding that if he loses, Channing Fry took the big shot, but he made the kick out. It's that sort of... Right. Uh, right play that he believes and most people believe is the right way to, to play. It would be so unbelievably interesting if MJ were to play in the social media days, you know? Yeah, yeah no question. Everything is so And then look on that dissected. one play, Corver, Corver's, the, yeah, Corver's yeah. the old time. I mean, Corver's like the best shooter ever, but he wasn't having that kind of series, you know? Yeah, and, and, he, was, and he was somewhat covered. It wasn't wide open, but regardless, it's 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 to the point where everything is so dissected, every shot, every pass. And it started with, the, obviously, the horrific decision, not a horrific decision to go to Miami, which I'd argue was the best decision he ever made. He got out of Cleveland. He became a winner. He went under Riley. He had Wade next to him. Most people think, I think it was a great decision. How he handled decision, the decision, though, is what destroyed his reputation and still to this day has people hating on his game and hating on him versus Jordan only because they have such a bad taste in his mouth about how he left. And if Jordan was playing during the social media times, there was so many things MJ did, including leaving to play a different sport 
and then leaving his teammates. Right. Where James left another right. team to stay in the league. This guy left the, the sport entirely. So there's a lot of sort of things to look at. I mean, I saw an interesting stat two days ago. MJ's playoff per- winning percentage, 65%. LeBron's winning percentage playoffs, 64%. I mean, you know, they're, they're unbelievably close, but when you look at how James plays, and again, I'd probably give the nod to MJ, but you're right. When you look at someone like James and what he's able to accomplish, no one's ever been able to do anything like that, but the passing and the IQ is really what gets me his incredible use of the pass and the finding guys at a time in which an AAU culture passing the ball like that has sort of evaporated. So it's interesting to hear your take on it, and, uh, and it makes a lot of sense for sure. Well, the kid averaged a triple-double in the finals, so you can't do much better than that. And I will tell you this, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know, hijack the show here, but I know you want to segue into the draft. I only see one player, when you talk about passing, I see one player in this draft, and, uh, and I could be wrong, but I only see one player that, has, that, that is dynamic and that, you know, we could be talking about potentially in the same kind of way with his ability to pass and that's the UCLA kid, and frankly, everybody else, to me, is a question mark. But I, I, think, I think this kid really has a chance to be very special, and I think he's only going to get better when he plays, when he has, you know, three or four other lob catchers around him. I think it's going to look like the Globetrotters. The, the kid reminds me of Jason Kidd 2.0. He shoots the ball really nicely, actually, with a weird shot, but it goes in from the left. He clearly needs to work on it going to the right. But his passing ability is like, I couldn't agree more. And better point guards are always better when you surround them with better talent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him and his dad and all. It's gotten a little bit more lighthearted in the last couple of months with some of the advertising and stuff. But do you see him getting by the Lakers? Obviously, Fultz is going to go one. We don't need to spend time on, on Fultz and what's going on with the Celtics. But do you see Ball going to, going to the Lakers? I'll give you this one piece. I think Fultz, to me, looks like Steve Francis, and that's not a knock. It's just I'm not sure what he is yet. I think he's really, really good, but I just think ball. I don't think the Lakers pass on ball. I think that I don't know what they were putting out there. Uh, Maybe they're trying to maneuver around, but I don't believe for a second. I mean, I saw Magic sitting courtside at UCLA all season. I mean, he saw what we saw. Magic Johnson's not going to pass on that kid. And if I'm wrong, I'll come on here and say it. But I, I, I don't, I can't imagine they would pass on this kid who, who I agree with you is, but he's longer than kid. He shoots a kid couldn't shoot and kid wouldn't shoot yep. in college. Yeah. You know, so th- this kid not only you know he understands that hey I'm gonna come first four or five minutes of the game boom 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 I'm gonna get Leaf off I'm gonna get Alford I'm gonna get this guy and then as soon as you go up two or three or whatever and I need to come down, you know, three steps over half court and hit a bomb just to let you know that, hey, this is coming whenever I need it. Like, this kid has a lot of tools. He's longer than people think. Defensively, he gets up on you. He gets into you. Um, He gets a lot of deflections. He gets out in passing lanes. I mean, I saw a kid like you saw a kid, but I I think this kid has a higher ceiling, and I realize we're talking about a Hall of Famer in Jason Kidd, um, I just think this kid's ceiling is absolutely through the roof. 
great points. Couldn't agree more with you, man. Love his game. Not sure about the other brothers, but I like this ball brother a lot. A lot. Um, you mentioned the rest of the guys being question marks, which is pretty interesting in a draft that people are very high on guys. Uh, I'm going to give you some names and just give me sort of, uh, a, 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 you know, sort of 15, 10, 15 seconds on these guys. Uh, you know, Josh Jackson, swing out of Kansas. Danny Ainge seems to be enthralled. Big-time player, number one kid coming out of high school, one and done at Kansas. What are your thoughts on J.J.? If you can't shoot, then that's a big problem. And, you know, we talk about today's NBA game, huge question mark, good athlete. I've heard he competes, seen him compete. But I would just say this, and you can throw out another name. Go back and look, and I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I think it's Hoops Hype. They do the redrafting. And – if you look at the last 15 years of drafting and how you know, badly it goes compared to how it should have gone, um, and then how many guys actually make it, so few of these guys have a chance to be NBA All-Stars. I think we fall in love with the idea that these guys are lottery picks and they may be the top 12 NBA prospects. Um, but I've always said that after picks maybe five or six and you could cut off anywhere – you're going to find a better, more prepared player in the D-League. So I think a lot of this is more romance of seeing these guys up there and getting drafted and walking on the stage and all that. But when it comes down to it, they're not ready. They're 18, 19 years old, and, and some of them may never be ready. So, I mean, I like Jackson. I like the idea of a wing defender. You need that. Um, but for the second or third pick in the draft, you know, is he going to be an NBA All-Star one day? I don't. I can't say that. No, the, the biggest challenge I have with the draft today is guys are just totally picked on potential. There's, I mean, it's always been like that, but it's now to the point of guys that play and come out in their junior year, people think, oh, I've seen everything he's got already, and let me take the kid who's 18 and no one's ever seen from France kind of a thing. So it's very, very crapshoot to your point, and obviously delivers results based based on that. And what are your thoughts on Calipari's guys? You know, Big-time point guard and Fox, a lot of people seem to like him. Um, and then, of course, Monk, who can fill it up, reminds me of a poor man's Allen Houston a little bit. Um, but, again, an unbelievably young. Some thoughts about the Knicks maybe taking Monk at eight. What, do you thought, what are your thoughts on the Kentucky guys? Fox, I see. Um, I see a quicker Jalen Rose, maybe. I don't know if he's huh. a true point guard. Um, I don't know if he can shoot it. But, you know, a lefty with size that can handle it some, can pass it some. I mean, I'll have to prove that he can shoot. Monk, I like. I think he's got a big ceiling. I think probably Ball and Monk, to me, have the two highest ceilings. Monk has to learn how to actually play and play make and, you know, assist the turnover ratio and those types of things. But he can absolutely score. I see Kobe's body. I'm not saying Monk is Kobe in any way, but – He's got the shoulders. I think he'll, you know, he'll fill out with that wingspan. So Monk has, um, I think he has some work to do, but I think next to Ball, he's the guy that I would say, and look, listen, I'm not breaking any news here. I mean, these are two top McDonald's All-America guys. But, um, but I, would, I think Monk probably has a higher ceiling than Fox just because I don't know if Fox can shoot it yet. 
Yeah, no, makes total makes total sense. Have you have you seen this kid from France, uh, Frank Nicolina yet? Have you seen him either in live in person? Uh, I mean, obviously we've all seen the videos. Uh, you know, is that something that you think Phil is going to do Thursday? Or is he going to continue to uh, stockpile young Europeans? Um, you know, where do you see the Knicks going, and have you seen this kid at all? I, I've seen some film. I actually talked to one of my partners in France today who knows he's kind of plugged into the situation. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Phil does it. He's had success bringing guys over with, with Willie and KP. Um, so that, and, I, and I know, you know, Mills and some of their other guys have been over there. So it seems like all signs point to that. I know Dallas, Donnie was over there with Tony Ronzoni. Um, so they obviously like the kid too. Uh, my guy today in France said something interesting. He didn't think he he didn't think the guy was a, a top ten type of talent. He was a first round talent, but you know, very raw, has a long way to go. I mean, the kid's got big wing, wingspan. He's a big kid. Um, could he be the type of guy that plays point guard in the triangle? You know, Phil had Ron Harper play point guard in the triangle. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a point guard per se. Um, so I can see what they see there. And I would tend to think that they would, you know, that they wouldn't take a guy like Monk, even though he might have a higher ceiling. Maybe he has more to go in terms of his development. But I don't know. It'd be, if Monk is sitting there at eight, I, it'd be tough for him um, to pass up on, on that type of talent. But I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what we're going to do. We're going to find out Thursday night. It's crazy, man. It's like it's almost the opposite of what makes sense with Phil. It's like, well, here's Monk. He played for Kentucky. He played with the top against the top comp. He scored 50 in a game. He scored 40 in a game. And then there's this guy who's 18 who is in France who doesn't even start in the French playoffs right now. And he's like a project. He's going to take him a couple of years. But he's Phil's guy because 25 years ago, Ron Harper played point in an antiquated offense. It's almost crazy. And by the way, this guy Phil, and again, I, I was all for the hiring of Phil, but he's getting paid basically more than anybody in the league. And, the, and it almost, I just can't figure out the logic. Now, I understand you want to rebuild or you want to put young guys around poor Zingas, but Monk's a freshman. It's not, that's what I mean. It's not like because he's been on TV 30 times at Kentucky that he's a junior or senior. I mean, he's still 19 years old also. So, you know, yeah, the upside is significant, but, you know, the guy can clearly put the ball in the basket, and clearly that's what a lot of teams need. When I just watched Golden State play Cleveland and the winning team is scoring 140 points, you got to get guys who can make shots in this league. You talked about it with Fox. In the way the new league is and the system and the setup, I mean, Cleveland's in trouble because they don't have enough scoring, and they score 110 a game in the finals against the best defense in the, in the league. you got to find guys who can clearly score the ball, huh? I agree with you, and like I said, I think that uh, Ball and Monk are the two dynamic talents. But you know, listen, they have he, he has a system. I mean, I I've had kids in there I, I, for a couple of workouts, and I know they're working on the triangle, and that's what they, you know, he believes in. And he, he's one with it. Now, you know, are they going to be able to um, to slow the pace and play more half court um, in in today's NBA? Remains to be seen. I will say this, though. I mean, you can't take away – he hit with KP and he hit with Willie. And, I mean, those guys – I mean, KP might be the best prospect we ever had. I mean, 
Ewing, obviously, yeah. you know, okay, Patrick Ewing. But in terms of his ceiling, I mean, KP is off the chart. And so you got to give him that. And then if he, can, if he can find a way now, this year, next year, to put some pieces on the perimeter around those two guys and keep those guys. I mean, he's got to figure out a way to keep KP happy and get him signed and, and, and build around him. But what's crazy is they're not that far away. And so, you know, you hear him talk about the Carmelo trade, and, and, and it's like, hey, Carmelo should go somewhere and win. Well, if you make the right move this week and you get a kid and you find another kid in the second round like you have with Willie, all of a sudden you're not as far away as you think. So, right. you know, is it going to happen? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I hope it does. Um, and I, grew, I told you, I grew up on Long Island, so I, I, you know, I bleed orange and blue. Sounds like you do also. And, and I hope they do it. I hope they do it, but, I, you know, who knows? Interesting stuff. And, again, we're talking to B.J. Bass. Follow him on Twitter at B.J. Bass, the number two. B.J., before we let you go, I know you have a major pulse on guys in the second round, guys that are sort of trying to make it. Now give us a couple names to look out for on Thursday night. I know you and I both are always trading tweets about Bucky basketball over at uh, uh, the Badgers of Wisconsin. Big fan, yeah, both of us, yeah. of the way they run the, the, the offense, the way they pass the ball, Nigel Hayes, uh, Bronson, and, and, and Caning and whatnot. Give us a sense of a couple guys you have your eye on Thursday night or you think can kind of break through that nobody's talking about. Well, no, I, I mean, I just like those guys. I mean, I, I, I went to Wisconsin, so it, I, it's, you know, there's a place in my heart with them. But I'm not a huge Badger guy. I mean, they, they – they get right there to the doorstep and they don't win. They beat Kentucky. They lose to Duke. They they always seem to in football. They're always right there and then they lose one game they shouldn't and then they're out of the they're out of the national title conversation. But I mean, Koenig just watching them the last four years. I mean, how many big shots? Dude, it's crazy. Every made. big shot. <laughs> and 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 I mean, Koenig. I think I think he's the leading. I could be wrong about this, but I think I saw somewhere that he's the leading all-time scorer in the tournament over four years. And wow. if he's not the leader, he's really close. I mean, I think I read that. So, I mean, people, look, is he a prototypical NBA athlete that you would that jumps out at you? No. But you watch. He'll probably end up in the D-League, and people will realize, oh, my God, this kid's better than we thought, and he's a floor general, and he's the type of kid you want on an NBA roster, and he's a big shot maker, and he can find people, and he's tough, and he'll guard people. So he'll find a way onto a roster. And Hayes is a kid that I think, you know, when I look at Draymond and some of the stuff that he does for Golden State, that's what I see in Hayes. And um, is he a pure shooter? No. But is he a big shot maker in crunch time? Yes. Does he bring a million different intangibles? Can he guard multiple positions? Um, yes. And, and do they win? They've just won every year over four years. So I look at guys like that and I say, okay, they may not even be on Draft Express right now or whatever, but somebody smart is going to take those guys and they're going to end up making a roster. And then when you look back on the Hoops Hype redraft, you're going to see guys like Koenig and Hayes way further up than where they actually get selected if, if they get taken Thursday or if they just go to summer league as, you know, um, undrafted free agents. But those are the types of guys that you need to find that can actually make a roster. Uh, and I think the, the, the teams that have the most success 
are finding guys. You're not going to always hit a home run, but if you can find guys in the draft that can make a roster and help your team um, and be a rotation guy, then you've done your job. Makes a lot of sense. Again, BJ, makes a lot of sense in what you're talking about regarding Wisconsin basketball. Are there other guys in the draft that we, should we keep an eye on as we sort of you know, wrap up this sort of preview for Thursday night uh, NBA draft? Are there guys that you have your eye on that you haven't heard much about from the general public? Uh, I mean, I like the Gonzaga kid. William. Definitely a guy that um... – you know, it was a second-round projected guy that had a chance to, um, to I think, be really good. And um, and the other kid I would give you is the Oregon kid. I think he's great. I, I don't know, you know, if there are any – I'm not sure if there are any issues there or what's holding him back from being more highly rated than he is. But, man, oh, man, the kid Bell, Jordan Bell, I mean, he, he, he looks the part to me. Um, you know, so I would say Bell, Goss. And then, uh, and I like Thornwell. I think Thornwell from South Carolina. I mean, you talk about the ability to shoot. Um, he can also pass it. I mean, I've seen this kid pass it, full you know, full court passing. He'll rebound. He'll 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 outlet that ball from one side of the court to the other. Um, he's a shot maker. He's a tough kid. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, I've seen him sneaking closer to the to the back of the first round. Um, but he's a guy. Another guy. If he splits into the second round, somebody's Somebody could hit a real home run with that kid. Yeah, no, he's got a lot of talent. Duke knows everything that he can do where he pushed them in the, in the tournament. Bell's an interesting prospect, a little undersized. I think that's what's held him back, but he's a bear. And uh, with that motor playing 20, 25 minutes off the bench to start for a number of teams can uh, can be a big-time asset. Well, this was great, man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the 30 minutes. Let's catch up over uh, over 18 holes out east this summer, man. Sounds great. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks, man. That's B.J. Bass. He's the managing director of RBA Sports, NBA agent, incredible follow on Twitter. You can follow him at B.J. Bass, the number two. Thanks to B.J. and all RBA Sports for coming on tonight's show. And we'll be joined just in one more minute by the mouth of the South, uh, Boca's own Joey Schwartz, and we will break down his hometown Philadelphia 76ers moves as well as um, the big trade and the roster itself. So uh, two more minutes. I know there's a number of people out there waiting to tune in to the mouth of the South. Um, we do want to quickly talk about Hyper and Hyper's data when it comes to a lot of the people that we were just discussing with BJ. One player we didn't discuss is the Duke star Jason Tatum coming out after his freshman year. A lot of buzz around them. Jason with 225,000 followers on Instagram, getting about 20,000 likes for every post via the hyper data. You look at these players and they're very big social. The other guy on Duke has worked out and had some big success in the past two weeks, the lefty Luke Kennard. Kennard with 144,000 followers on on Instagram getting about 14,000 likes for every one of his posts. So the Duke kids, very, very social. Josh Jackson, 172,000 on Instagram, getting about 17,000 likes. So you're beginning to see all these guys having their biggest 
uh, audience clearly on Instagram. Markel Fultz, 290,000 followers on Instagram, almost 30,000 likes. So Fultz with the biggest social footprint, uh, followed by Dennis Smith, the the charismatic, injured, and very athletic point guard out of NC State with 210,000 followers, but only getting 7,000 likes. So it's interesting to see the different players and their social. By far the biggest, and we talked about them today, Lonzo Ball, 1.6 million followers on Instagram and getting almost 100,000 likes from the hyper data. But it's interesting to see the pattern is clearly Instagram by far the star with every one of the players on uh, in Thursday night's NBA draft. Thanks again to Agent B.J. Bass for coming on and spending 30 minutes talking about the draft, talking about the NBA. And when you do talk NBA, and we've had this guy on the show several times, there's not a lot better than my guy from Philadelphia. He is the mouth of South, Joe Schwartz. He's down in Boca, and he squeezes us in from time to time in his between trips to South Beach as well as Margate. Mouth of the South, Joey Schwartz, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Rye. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Love having you on the show. Love that you can squeeze us in. I always say between those trips that you like to go on, it's normally either those fish trips following the band or, of course, trips down to South Beach. So appreciate you squeezing us in. And this is your time of the year. So, you know, we love, we, we were happy to have you on when we connected with you. And there's no better person I want to talk about what, than what's going on with the Sixers. You've been there from the beginning. You've been on this show preaching to believe in Sam Hinkie. And now you've, well, everything you've talked about, asked about, and preached about looks like it's coming true. Um, give us a sense, I guess, of the excitement coming from Philly and, and, and Sixer camp traveling all the way down to South Florida. Well, I'll tell you what, right? I mean, Friday was, was some special day here as, uh, you know, very busy laying on the sofa Friday afternoon, you know, flipping through the golf and the uh, different sports channels. And all of a sudden on Twitter, I read, you know, from very respectable sources, Sixers, Celtics talking, you know, trade for the number one. And you know what? It all just kind of made sense. As soon as I read it, I knew it was going to happen. You know, the Sixers, they've been really quiet. They weren't interested in Josh Jackson. They weren't interested in Tatum or Isaac. You know, they haven't had any of these guys in for a workout. Just just didn't make sense how quiet they've been. And the people that I respect and talk to in the Sixers organization, just no one was leaning towards anybody. You couldn't put anything on it. Then all of a sudden, the tweet comes out. You see Woes drop it on Twitter, and then all of a sudden, the pieces started to move fast, and I haven't been able to sleep since Friday, Ryan, and I'm sure a lot of my fellow Sixers fans, and I know a lot of them listen to the podcast, even though it's a New York-based sports program, uh, I'm sure they're all there right there with me. As I mean, it's just been an absolutely hectic, you know, three, four days where the vision and the process is finally coming to where we've all hoped it would be, and and here we are here here we are again, right? So the, yeah, you know, the trade for the go ahead. I was going to say, Joe. You know, it's interesting. You've never had a problem sleeping, and as long as I've known you, now you can't get you know any sleep with all the the activity going on. Blockbuster trade. 
the number one pick and Markel Fultz. You heard BJ before this describe Fultz as like a Stevie Francis. Today I've heard McGrady. I've heard a smaller Harden. Um, you know, I've seen him play a number of times, but again, West Coast kid. You know, on late, I'm sure you haven't seen a ton of them. You know, what are you? What are your senses in the standpoint of what Fultz brings to this team? A and B is what he brings. What this team desperately needs right now. Absolutely right, and that's why I believe the Sixers did what they had to do to get this pick. Right? They traded the future Lakers pick, which is a very prized possession in the league. A lot of teams have been calling about it for years now. Uh, And either or the Kings pick. That's the big thing here. They only gave up one of the future picks. I would have been ecstatic even if they gave up both of the picks right to get it. Because the the thing with Fultz is, is the fit. Right? None of these other guys in the draft really fit what the Sixers need. Right? The The Sixers You know, as you know, they're going to have Simmons, who was the number one pick last year in the draft. They're going to have him coming, and he's a point forward. He doesn't shoot the ball that well, you know, right now. But what he does is he attacks the basket, you know, and and what they needed was a shooter, someone who's able to create some space. You know, they got Joel Embiid inside, obviously, you know. And uh, Fultz was exactly what they needed. This kid... I've watched him, right? I've watched some tape on him the last couple of days. I've watched him here and there. He's a pick-and-roll player, which is, as you know, you know, that's what the NBA is these days. It's all pick-and-rolls. And, rolls. and uh, this kid, he can create the space. Can you imagine a pick-and-roll with him and Embiid or him and Simmons or, or Simmons and Embiid with Fultz in the corner coming up? I mean, come on. The New York, you're New York Knicks fans. The dream of having a threesome like that, Ryan. Come on. Now, this kid was an well, absolute I like the versatility, yeah. The thing that's intriguing to me, as we just talked a lot about the, the Golden State and the Cavs and the league being so much about matchups right now and taking advantage of matchups, you look at the versatility that what Philadelphia is starting to build. I mean, they're really, except for Embiid, who's obviously a center, but a new age center, doesn't really play down low that much. You're looking at a bunch of guys who are interchangeable. Sarich is interchangeable. Fultz can play the one or two. Simmons can play a bunch of positions. Clearly what they don't have on their on their side right now is health. You know, obviously Embiid has been totally banged up. Simmons coming off a major injury. Don't want to make too big of a deal over that cloud. Clearly that's, if there is one negative cloud, that's the one negative cloud, you know, there is. But as Fultz fits into this group with this fantastic uh, threesome, you know, what do you see this team now? What are they, where are they? Are they a, playoff team in year one or are they a team obviously it's difficult to say you haven't seen any of these guys together but give us a sense of what you expect in year one and then they have other picks that they still how do they fill out the rest of this roster to complement those three guys absolutely right they have four second round picks right they're they're gonna what i'm hearing is is try very hard to move up into the first round with a lot of those picks um, they have a lot of future assets, a lot of future picks. Wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers move into the back end of the first uh, first round and take uh, a couple guys that they have they have you know highlighted on their board. But what is what's amazing about what what we were just discussing about this fit and and you know you saying injuries and this and that. Another reason why the Sixers had to make the move that they did. Okay, so say you know worst case scenario, Embiid, you know 
it, it re-injures the foot, this and that. You still have Simmons and now Fultz. I mean, that's a hell of a combination, right? That's a, those are two number one picks back-to-back years. A lot of teams in the league would be ecstatic to have something like that, right? So moving up to get Fultz was almost like an insurance policy, right? So I guess what we need to do is we need to talk a little bit about Sam Hankey, Ryan. Sam Hankey's vision and his idea was to obviously lose and tank, but to, with the purpose of acquiring as many possible future all-stars or generational talents, right? And you only get those in the top of the draft. And a lot of people only think you get them in the, with the number one pick. So Hinkie, his plan, the process, was to stockpile as many possible superstar pieces moving forward. And now that's what they've led to, right? The Sixers have Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, Sarek, you know, Okafor. Yeah, a lot of people are down on Okafor, but let's be honest. The guy was an absolute stud coming out of high school, won a championship at Duke. You know, he hasn't fit in great in the NBA, but, hey, the Sixers, now you're talking about he's the fifth guy, in, you know, when you start talking about guys. I mean, the, the, the amount of talent that this team has put together in such a small period of time you know, this guy, Sam Hinkie, really had a vision and an idea, and he was such a forward thinker beyond what some a lot of these GMs that, that put the team together these days. This guy was, was thinking two and three and four steps ahead. And, you know, Colangelo and, and the Sixers, they cashed in on it. They cashed in on some of the future assets. They moved, they're moving up to get Fultz. I think it's an absolute home run. You know, if, if by chance someone gets hurt and B. Simmons aren't there, you still have two, three, four guys to work with. And like you said, still plenty of assets in the future. The Kings pick, the Lakers pick. You know, they're, they're really, really set up well and set up for what it needs to be. And I am just ecstatic and cannot wait to watch the way this team turns out. And, you know, it's unbelievable for someone, me and you, to be talking about the Sixers in the playoffs. We're, we're talking, can they make the playoffs? This team won 10 games two years ago. They won, you know, 28 last year. Now, we're, can they make the playoffs? I mean, Ryan, to be honest with you, I think if all three of them are healthy, yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs. And I got, an, I got another thing for you. Teams are not going to want to play them if they make the playoffs. How about Here that? we go. Here we go. This, that's the, that's that the mouth of the South that we know. Again, we're joined by the, the great mouth of the South, Joey Schwartz. You can follow him on Twitter at JoeyBlack26, at JoeyBlack26. You know, it's interesting, Joe, uh, when you look at trades, there's not a lot that you can say I like it from both sides. This is a trade that I actually think is really interesting for both teams. Um, but I want to get your take on the Celtics. Uh, not only is Ainge doing what Hinkie did by stockpiling picks every single day, it seems, and high picks at that, but you know, I'm sort of trying to figure out what Ainge wants to do because by moving away well, from taking faults, well, moving away from taking faults, that means to me that he wants to move forward with Isaiah. 
you know, you don't want to you, you don't want to mess Isaiah up. So you draft a wing like Josh Jackson. You put him with Isaiah. You you go get Hayward or maybe even Anthony Davis or someone you know at that level, and you put that you know this team together, and then it's a different conversation. But if they end up getting Hayward, let's say, and they want to go with, they're mm-hmm. going to have to then go to with Isaiah and sign him to a max deal at that size. And what we saw, especially against Cleveland, is that size isn't going to cut it. You know, what is Ainge? Because I figured they would go take Fultz and then not resign Isaiah or package Isaiah for a bigger name, i.e., Paul George or anything of that nature. You know, what What do you think Boston's doing? Um, which direction are they going in? So it's very interesting. You know, Ainge has he he he's been a great GM for them, right? He he, he has won a lot of the trades, almost all the trades. You know, people are questioning whether or not you know did Boston win this one? Did Philly win this one? I guess we won't know and we won't see for a couple of years. But Ainge has definitely fleeced a lot of GMs in the past, starting with a good friend of both of ours, Billy King, right? If if, if Billy King wasn't there to to dish out all these net picks, then the Sixers you know, probably wouldn't line up with Fultz. But anyway, Ainge, you know, no one really knows what, what, which way they're going here. I mean, what I've heard out of Philadelphia and my sources were saying that the Bulls were very highly involved in this. They, they were almost trying to, to use the Sixers in a three-way deal. So from what I understand, uh, the Bulls wanted the three-pick and a couple future firsts. Uh, specifically those Lakers pick, and then that would obviously mean Butler to the Celtics. Now, makes sense. I could see if that's the route they're going. If they could add someone, Butler and, and Hayward, uh, now you got maybe a little bit more clearer vision of what Ainge is thinking to do. I never liked Fultz and Thomas together in the backcourt. I just I don't think that the NBA wins that way. Um, I know both of us follow a very brilliant mind on NBA. His name is Heralibus Vulgaris. And uh, he just kept saying how, you know, Isaiah Thomas is just too small when it comes down to it for playoff basketball. And, you know, if you add Fultz to it, you can't play them together. I never really liked the fit to begin with. I think Boston saw that. I think Ainge saw that. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Isaiah Thomas. How do you not bring him back with what he did to the franchise? And, and you know, all these, all these Celtics fans are such big Isaiah Thomas fans. The guy was in the in – my, in my opinion, he was in the MVP, MVP discussion this year, right? And now he's going to be a free agent at the end of next year. You're going to have to unload the bank to pay him. He's going to, he's going to demand and want a max contract. But, yeah, right, I'm right there with you. I don't know if he's worth the contract, in my opinion – I don't think you can win with a player who's 5'8". Uh, you know, even though he does some incredible things, he can't, he, there's no one for him to play defense against. And I just think in the, in the playoffs, the game changes, and it's a different game, and, and that's not the way to play. But from what, I would not be su- surprised, and I wouldn't be shocked to see the Celtics wind up with Jimmy Butler, Paul George, one of these guys, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, someone who's being talked about and using some of these assets that they just acquired from the Sixers to get to those. I know that those are very big assets. A lot of teams in the league wanted them. I know that the Sixers would have been involved in a lot of these other trade discussions if these players, Butler, George, would have been okay going to Philadelphia. I don't think they would have been. And then that's why I think you're going to see what's going to happen. Now, I'm very interested to see what the Celtics do. Um, you know, they have a very interesting uh, – the op- 
the, the option for them is do they go at it right away with the team they have now or with all these picks do they have in the future, do they wait it out for Golden State and LeBron to pass by and, and have their window? But, you know, Ryan, I'm very interested to see what happens. I think we're going to find out pretty soon because I think some of these trades are going to go down before the draft. So well, I that think was we're going to know question, really Joe. soon. That was my next question for someone like yourself who has you know, your, your, your finger on the pulse of, of the NBA. You know, three days until the draft, you're hearing Paul George, you're hearing Jimmy Butler, you're hearing Carmelo, you're hearing Kevin Love, you're hearing a number of big names. Do which get dealt before the draft? Do any get dealt before the draft? Do all get dealt? Blake Griffin, I mean, give us what you're hearing uh, uh, down there in Boca Raton. Well, I think what, what what's going to happen, in, in, in my opinion, I think that a team like the Bulls, a team like the Pacers, these teams are looking to get their trades done before the draft. They want to they wanna secure the player that they want when their pick comes on Thursday, right? So, for instance, Chicago, if they give up Butler and get to number three, they want to take whoever they want, right? They don't want, you know – it's a fall and, and this and that. These, these teams, they know what they want. They know that Butler and, and George for the Pacers aren't happy be staying there. They're, these teams are in the middle of the road in the east, which is the, pretty much the worst spot you could be. And they need to make moves. I think that, you know, obviously with this Cleveland situation today, and I think that's a big, you know, Step and, and, and these pieces are all going to start to fall, a domino, domino type effect. I, you know, in, in my opinion, I think that, uh, I think that it's going to be Butler. Uh, although, did you, I don't know if you, if you read this because it came just uh, right before the podcast started, uh, but Minnesota is making a big play for Butler as well. I don't know if you read that and totally wouldn't be surprised with Thibodeau the way that him and Butler's relationship are. Mm, but, you know, I, wouldn't interesting. Be, I, I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these trades happened before Thursday. Some of these teams that are clearly going to go into a rebuilding mode, Chicago, Indiana, these guys want to be there in a position to take their, their picks and make their selections and see what they have. Um, you know, I, I don't know how it's all going to shake out, right? I mean, Cleveland, I think, is the first domino. Do they trade Kevin Love for – a year of Paul George. I mean, they only have a year left of LeBron. Clearly, it seems like he. everyone's talking about him going to the Lakers and with his home in Brentwood and all his friends setting up businesses and establishments out there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened. So, you know, I think, it, I think we're going to see some movement. I think as an NBA fan, you have to be super excited. You don't know what's going to happen with this draft. The Sixers... You know, the number one pick in the draft has only been traded three or four times, I believe, and, and this is one of the years where it is. So I think that the draft is, is very exciting. I think that we're going to see a lot of moves. And I, see, I think some dominoes are going to start to fall, and I think it has all happened because Kevin Durant went to Golden State. Everyone's trying to build a super team, do what they can to compete with these guys, and, and I think it's it's changing the landscape of the NBA, and uh, uh, of course, I think it's of course you got to compete. Very, you got to try to compete. You got to try to compete. And you know, before we let you go, Joe, I know you're connected to the draft. You're connected to college hoops. You know, I want to get your sense of maybe a couple guys that you know you've been watching or you have your eye on. I talked to BJ just before you about a number of guys. 
is the one guy uh, that I didn't talk to him about was a guy that I like a lot, and that's Larry Markkinen, the the young seven foot Finnish freshman, just finished uh, his first year over at Arizona, uh, playing for Sean Miller, is declared for the draft. You know, has a lot of KP in him, can shoot it, can move, has a, has really nice footwork. Uh, Going to get quicker as he gets a little older. Um, he's a guy that I could see teams really liking. He's a guy that I think actually has a chance to move up the boards come Thursday night, potentially move up to five or six, a very different kind of a player. I thought a lot of BJ's comments were very interesting, specifically on the Aaron Fox. You know, in this league, if you can't make shots, you're in major trouble. He he can't shoot. There's so many people who love this guy, and I, I like him a lot too. But the Jalen Rose comparison was very, very interesting, I thought. You know, Rose also played in the NBA for 15 years, so if you could have that, it's a, good, it's six a good career. Foot, six foot seven, um, six foot eight. Yeah, big, big, big lefty at six eight at Detroit. But give us a sense of guys that you that you like. You know, he was high on Lonzo. I am too. Um, I know you like Fultz. Give us a sense of maybe a guy or two who you think can uh, can be an all star out of this draft. Right. I think uh, I think there's going to be a couple of I wouldn't be surprised, Ryan, if there's three or four all stars from this draft. I think the draft is deep. I think it's it's pretty loaded. I think you know possibly one or two generational talents coming out of this draft. Right. Uh, I do like Markinen. I've heard that he will not get past Minnesota. I could really see if, – if he goes to Minnesota, I mean, that is some team that they're putting together there. Um, obviously, your New York Knicks are, are drafting right after that, I believe. Is that – what is it, the eight spot or, or the nine yeah, spot? Yeah, the Knicks are drafting I, I at, at eight. Uh, Minnesota's drafting at seven. Um, you know, there's – Right. You currently so, look at a place like, uh, uh, you know, NBADraft.net – now, they don't have marketing going in the top ten. I, I just find that appalling. Um, him currently slated at eleven on draft on Me and you have spoken about it. I like marketing. I think he's. I think he's. He's shooting up the ranks uh, lately. I've heard a lot of really good things coming out of a lot of camps. I heard Minnesota's very interested in taking him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he goes there to Minnesota. Uh, some of the other guys. Uh, I, I, you know, this um, young point guard, Frankie Cigarettes, I think they're calling him, or Frankie, uh, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce his last name here, right? I do uh, like him. Natilla Kina, Frank Natilla Kina, the kid, the, kid, the kid from France who we just spent a bunch of time on earlier with BJ. Frankie Natilla Kina, the guard out of France. Uh, I hear the Mavs are very high on him. They've hired his... Uh, his Euro coach to coach their summer league team, which is pretty interesting. Um, I think that they're, they're very high on him. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he goes. I like him a lot. I think he's, he's, he's a a young kid. These Euros, these guys that are coming over, as you know, these these kids are ready to play now. And, and, you know, they have, they have a lot of work ethic and, you know, I'm a big fan of his, Um, you know, some of the other guys later, later in the draft or, or, in the, in the lottery that, that I think are going to be okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm more of a, you know, I, I think that I, I like Fox, you know, I like Fox. I think he's, I think he's going to be good. Um, I think I, yeah, my thing, I like you know, Kino. Joe, you know, it's interesting with Nicola, Natilakina, you know, he, he doesn't start in France. 
Uh, I don't think he's even close to ready. Uh, a lot of these guys aren't ready either, you know, 19 years old, 18 years old. It's it's a crapshoot out there. Um, but there's a lot of guys in this draft, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, Martin, I like Tatum. I like uh, Isaac. Monk. I mean, there's a lot of interesting guys in this league, but clearly you got to draft to go up against, you know, the, the, the teams that are dominating the different conferences right now. And, uh, who, do you hear or you're gonna, or, who do you hear the Knicks are going after, right? Who, who, who is your New York Knicks going to take? I mean, what are the ones well, out of New York? I think everything you're hearing is either Monk or Natilakina. They've been high on Natilakina for months, even years. They've had people following him around, working him out. Babe, my guy, Frankie Isola, Frankie Basketball, bumped into him on West Broadway two weeks ago, told me that they basically had a guy with him all day, every day, almost like a babysitter. So I think clearly they really like him. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm not saying he's not the answer, but I just think when, when Monk, I talked about this a little bit with our earlier guest, the guy can flat out score the basketball. And what I saw in the NBA Finals this year is if you can't score, you can't be on the floor right now. And that's where the league is going. The, the, the take a team like Golden State, they literally score at every position. They put so much pressure on you that if you have a hole or two on the other side of the floor, you just can't play. So having guys who can make shots, of course, you have to defend, but there's just no substitute for guys like Monk who can score 40, 50 points in a game at the highest level of college basketball. So I'd be shocked if he was still on the board and they went with Nikolatina. But obviously, everything that I've heard <coughs> is those two guys. <laughs> Great. Very interesting. I can't wait for Thursday, Ryan. I, I really can't wait. But, you know, as a Sixers fan and to your Sixers fans that are listening, I mean, the future is, br- is as bright as could be in Philadelphia. The team is stocked with a young core that the NBA hasn't seen since maybe Oklahoma City with, the, with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. I mean, we have... Embiid is 23. Simmons is going to be 21. Fultz is 20. Sarge is 22. I mean, these kids are young, all on the same team, all at once. And, boy, I cannot wait to see what happens in Philadelphia. I I cannot wait. Well, you are listening to the momentum, the excitement, and everything coming together down in the city of brotherly love. I appreciate you stepping out of the Delano and taking some time to chat with us today on the show is Joey Schwartz, the mouth of the South. You can follow him on Twitter, at JoeyBlack26. I appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Try to stay cool and uh, enjoy that caramel popcorn down the shore, would you? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Ryan. Let's talk again soon. Will do. That's Joe Schwartz. Always great. He's our Philly expert, <clears throat> our South Florida genius and a guy who's uh, always great to kick hoops around. And what's better than talking hoops in late June, three days before the draft, lots of things going on, fun show, did about an hour and 15 minutes with two very good basketball minds. It's always fun talking hoops. Thanks to B.J. Bass from RBA Sports. Thanks to Joey Schwartz. Of course, thanks to Hyper and all of our uh, listeners. Happy Father's Day to everybody. You could download the show and subscribe on iTunes. I appreciate everybody listening tonight. Enjoy the draft this week, as my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say. Adios.
podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, the burger shop, now live from coast to coast, in any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ryan got the insights, the burger shop, you know? Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.